are listening to Bicycle Retail Radio, brought to you by the National Bicycle Dealers Association. Welcome to another episode of Bicycle Retail Radio, brought to you by the National Bicycle Dealers Association. This is President Heather Mason. If you're a first-time listener, be sure to check out the previous episodes. Please do us a favor and leave a review. Today's guests are Steve and Kristen Brandt, owners of Massachusetts-based bicycle store, Steve the Bike Guy. Steve the Bike Guy is a customer-focused, family-owned bike shop offering expert service, new bikes, parts, and accessories with lots of advice and help. A 2021 Bicycle Retailer of Excellence award-winning shop, we asked Steve and Kristen to come on the podcast today to share about the uniqueness of the shop, marketing and community engagement, their blog, and a bit about their personal journey into our industry. Regular guests to the MBDA Monday Mingles, they share their tips and ask retailers for a bit of theirs. I'm so eager to jump in. But before we begin, I want to take a moment, let you know that NBDA is celebrating 75 years this year. Since 1946, the NBDA has existed to strengthen, educate, and provide leadership and community to specialty bicycle retailers nationwide. If you listen to our podcast, enjoy the content, and find value in what we do, please consider joining if you're not already a member. Or do us a a favor and help us educate others on our resources by talking about and sharing what you have learned from us and why you love the MBDA. So without further ado, I'm going to welcome Kristen and Steve to Bicycle Retail Radio. How are you? We're great. Hello. Oh my God. So it's just after Thanksgiving. It's a Monday morning. We're meeting up fresh into the week. I feel like I know you both so well, so I just, I, I, I am like your biggest fan and we're pretty close because we're both up here in the Northeast. It's like 30 degrees out. Uh, what are you guys this morning? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's cold. I'm wearing our, one of our wool sweaters because it's also cold in our house because it's Monday, so everything's turned down. <laughs> I mean, yeah, quite, I, I we haven't quite figured that out. <laughs> it is cold. It is cold. I did do a, a trainer ride this morning. I admit, I admit. I know I was supposed to go. He he went to a, a Nemba event yesterday that I was supposed to go to, and it was really cold. So I was like, no, sorry. I'm gonna um our son's home. We need I need to make him pancakes. Have fun. <laughs> You go. And I know I want to get into that because I know you do so much with your community. And Steve, I think you're like always at events. You're always out. I did some snooping to get ready for the podcast today. And Steve, I had no idea that pre-bike life, you were a professional geologist and specializing in groundwater contamination and cleanup. Yeah, that's a, that's that's right. So I did that for 17, 18 years or so. Yeah, as a professional geologist and I mean, it was something I was really good at, but uh, it was also something where you're out in the field for a couple of days and then you just basically benched in front of a computer writing thousand page reports. At some point, I just had enough of that. I I'm so I think that's amazing that you just were like, I'm going to follow my passion and start a new after so many years in a career. So kudos to you for that. So many people want to take that leap and I think never do. And it's obviously paid off because I keep reading all these amazing things about your shop and you were an excellence winner. And as a husband and wife team, Kristen, I know you're the marketing coordinator at Steve the Bike Guy, a mother, Girl Scout leader, amateur athlete, fundraiser, volunteer, friend, sister, social coordinator, chocolate chip cookie. Somebody <laughs> went to my LinkedIn profile. Yes, I <laughs> How do you have time, man? I know. I mean, it's a lot, right? I know. It's a lot. I mean, I will, you know, right off the bat, I, I am not full time with Steve, the bike guy, which is when you get, when we talk about our marriage is probably why it's working. And then the other thing I always say is like, I may do all of those things. I'm not doing them all at once, right? So like, I can be really good at one thing at one time, but like, I can tell you the Girl Scout troops a little quiet these days. So, you know, it's all about, it's all about, I don't say balance. It's more of a, you know, there's compromise, right? She can say that, but you know, she doesn't stop. So from from morning to night, you know, when in the evenings, even when the you know the TV's on or whatever, her laptop is on and she is I don't, working away. It might be my stuff. It might be her business. It yeah. might be you know it keeps all me these from little doom things. Doom scrolling. She she it needs keeps, that. Yes. She needs that constant 
I need to be, I'm ADHD to the core. So (laughs) I need to like constantly, if I'm not doing something, I'm doing something like I'll just be like mindlessly scrolling. And I hate that. I hate. Yeah. If if you're not working, that's exactly. So you, yeah. So so I'd rather just direct my energy. Instead of doing that, you're working. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I hear you. And I appreciate it because you even helped organize the MBDA t-shirt swap for our Monday (laughs) mingles. So I love it. Keep it coming. All right. So I need to get that going. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we do. No, we ha- we've got the names. Now we got to do the, the swapping. We will. All right. So I have to know, Steve, you, why the bicycle industry? Uh, what what happened? Like it was a, a hobby of yours. When did you decide that you were going to make the career switch? And oh yeah, I mean, certain things happen in terms of this was, I guess, two thousand and eight or so during the financial crisis and. A lot of the, and then the company, the engineering company I was working for at the time was also heavily involved with property development and that just tanked. And so that, that company was just going downhill fast. And so, I mean, that was sort of a leaving the company and it dissolving almost. And that, and that sort of facilitated, okay, what do I do next? Do I just look for another job in this industry? And in this case, I decided to go out on my own with private consulting in geology and then also started just sort of thinking about what I could do with my lifelong passion of bicycles. Yeah. I mean, he's, a, he's the, like his mother likes to tell a story about how he slept with one of his brand new bicycles, like in his bedroom and, you know, his, oh, his yeah. friend, his right, but his friend, his high school friend, they were reminiscing the other day about how they couldn't afford tools. So they would use a chisel to like cut cable against the garage floor. Like, so he's always been like bikes have been the thread line oh, in, in high through school, everything. In high school for me, it was all my, my all time consuming was girls and bicycles. <laughs> right. I mean, and, and, you know, and, and this was pre-internet. So. And then the bikes got him to the girls. So right. it was kind of a, it was, you know, blended passion. The, yeah. Yeah. So I was the one of those, those few kids, few, maybe the only one, maybe one, there was maybe two of us, you know, who had the Lycra and rode our road bikes. It's like that kid from Breaking Away, who's like, except he didn't speak Italian. So, no, I mean, it's like bikes with a thread line. And so at one point he said to me, he was working, he was doing private consulting on geology. And he's like, you know, I really want to, I want to be a, a mobile bike mechanic. So, so for a while he was doing both, you know, so, and it was kind of like, that was great. You know, if he got a job with geology, he did it. If he got a mobile bike job, he did it. And, you know, that helped him transition rather than a like hard, I'm doing bikes now. I love this. All of our listeners are probably like, hmm, bikes and girls and bikes. In the <laughs> I mean, yeah. I the editing going. <laughs> all of them there. Okay. So you've got the mobile business going and then that was working out well. And then you decide to to actually open your physical store, but talk to me about the naming, Steve, the bike guy, were you just throwing names out there? Cause I love it. Cause it's so. Yeah. Well, we were yeah. just throwing names out there. And at the time with the mobile business, I mean, there, you know, there are actually a lot of blank, the bike guys out there now. And at the time it was sort of the thought process was it was very direct and talent sort of saying who I am. You- and it's almost by adding my name in there, it's almost a, an introduction to me before we've even met the customers and I'm coming to their houses and they, and that sort of. Yeah. We had talked about stuff like bike shop at home and, and we even registered some of those domains. But when we came up the name, I was like, you know, you're the bike guy. Like everybody be like, Oh, I'm buying a bike. Who, sh- who should I talk to? And they'll be like, call, you know, call Steve. He's the bike guy. And so, and then just like, it was available. The domain was available, Instagram, Twitter. I like everything to match. So everything was available. Mm -hmm. And so, and and then when we went to the shop, which, you know, he's like, I want to open a shop. And I was like, I thought that was not a thing anymore. (laughs) I thought we actually had a guy. So that his logo is an illustration. It's a caricature that a friend of mine did. And we had a guy who came in one day and he's like, you know, I knew I was going to buy a bike and I decided I was going to go to that guy because the logo just seemed so friendly and it was a guy. And I was like, well, now we can never get rid of it, you know? And that was the whole conversation when we went to the shop. Like, do we keep it? Do we go to something more corporate bike shoppy? And, but at that point I put my foot down and I was like, look, we've already invested in this. Like, this is all, there's a card on a wall somewhere. Like, 
from a mom. He actually got one. My one of my favorite stories from when he was mobile is he was in a local town. He drives in in his little Prius with which is what we had at the time and a magnet sign. And he gets a call from this woman and he she's like, my kid just caught he he drove into the wrong driveway. So he drives into the wrong driveway. He's like, oh, this isn't it. He drives away and he gets a call from this woman. He's like, she's like, my son was in the house and you drove into our driveway. And and he was like, oh, sorry, I'm so sorry. And then she's like, what do you do? <laughs> he told her and she goes, when can you come back? <laughs> and it was like, I, I was like, I'm putting a sign on everything. <laughs> I, you know, I, this is, this is great because Kristen, I think I met you first when you came to one of our Monday mingles and Steve, I don't think you were in that meeting and Kristen, you introduced yourself no. from as Steve, the bike guy. And, and you were just like, well, Steve is just the bike guy. Everyone in the community just knows him and the way that you re, you know, related and referred to what Steve does. And it just clicked with me before I even met Steve. I was like, oh, and it is. So your personality is like, amazing it's it sets the bar really really high for anyone but what about like what was the mission vision what what did you want to do when you were actually going to open the store the physical brick and mortar what was going to set your store apart was it you steve is it based on that concept because i feel like i feel like you do to be it, honest. it is uh, you know the the store came about from driving by a particular where we are now that it was empty for a long time. And I kept driving by it. Most of my, uh, I had to go by it almost every day for a lot of my clients in one particular town nearby. And, and so I just kept seeing this open, this open storefront, this open storefront, this open storefront. And, And finally, I mean, I mean, there's a whole thing we could go into about the mobile, but, but the mobile is definitely a difficult business model. And I and I know other people in the industry who have done the the corporate mobile franchise thing, and it's it's not easy. Then they've left. Yeah. So so I was like, this things have to change. Maybe this, a store is the way to go. And it was in a way about about me I, to to say that bluntly. I mean, it was sort of just the the way I had the repertoire I had with my my customers. And it was just built on built on that, yeah. Sort of just, but having a but having a physical location that I could really base everything out of. Well, it helped also with you couldn't necessarily sign some contracts with some vendors if he didn't have a if he well, has a shop, and that may have passed, but that was you know seven years ago. And at the time, all of the distributors would not work with with mobile. I had one who right. would. And it made it, and that actually, you're right. I, I forgot about that. That, that was really, a big that piece was of a big piece of open. So he couldn't shop. sell, yeah, he couldn't sell bikes. He couldn't say, you know, that's obviously changed, but I will say, so we joined the MBDA fairly recently. One of my roles is, is community involvement, community outreach. I have so, if I can give you guys a shout, I have so appreciated the resource that you guys provide. I don't think we really understood like what it was and what we got out of it. And I find it very inspirational and, and it, but it's gotten me thinking about that mission vision thing. Cause I, it's been very organic, right? I do think you're absolutely right. We, we weren't getting, we weren't getting out of this without that. <laughs> the dog going once. Yeah. Okay. Right. So I think his, it's been very organic. Like, so it's definitely born of his passion for bikes. Like, like, and we, we use the, we, we say yay bikes a lot, like yay bikes, yay friends. And it's a little simplistic, but it's also just sums up so much of what we think bikes make possible about the welcoming environment that we create, but everything ultimately is driven, I would say by us, by your passion, by, by our kids, by making sure it's as welcoming as possible, by by my still noviceness, where you know I'll say, well, how come you get that and I don't get that? And how what's that? What are we doing there? And I don't understand this. And you know, that's it. That's that's at its core. I think um, we actually had a customer. So inside our kits, in the in the collar, it says "Yay Bikes." And one of my customers told me it was printed wrong. It was supposed to be on the back. And I said, no, no, Yay Bikes is for you. When you're putting on your kit, you see Yay Bikes yay and you bikes. put it on. And and it doesn't, yeah, that's, it's just for you. Like we don't put it on the outside, we put it on the inside. I, she was convinced they were printed wrong. <laughs> I am just, I am just completely blown away. And Steve, it, it, I mean, it's, I find it difficult sometimes to take compliments or to even say compliments about myself, you know, but you 
I mean, I'm reading your reviews, five-star reviews. Steve is the best. He went the extra mile. Nicest folks I have met in a long time. Steve replaced my brake pads on a drop-in Saturday right away. Great local shop. Steve is a super nice guy and he's always thinking of the customer first. Like this is amazing reviews. So kudos to you. And I think that when you know that and you always look for the customer and you're honest and approachable, that gets us a really far way in life. All right, let's go back to the building. So you've been driving by it like every day and you saw this spot. And so tell us a little bit about where you're located and what the building is like. So the we're located, it's in Sherburne, Mass., which is a very, very small town. Massachusetts is very fragmented into, into towns, uh, which I guess in other instances might be considered villages. But uh, but basically, sort of town centers, and and Sherburne is very very small. So in the main strip, there's just I mean you have you have your fire station, an auto mechanic, a it's few, an ice cream shop an next ice, door, an ice cream shop, and and uh, like takeout place, you know, when you the post office and a liquor store. But it's, it's a it's, it's a, a little it's a blink and you'll miss it's it. It's a blink downtown. and you miss it. But it's also <laughs> but it's also the where two. I want to say highways, but they're 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 numbered state routes, but they're just single lane roads. But but it's a it's a where two of these come together and then resplit up. So Outside a massive amount of people who are commuting from location to location get bottlenecked right past this location. And in fact, it, you know, I looked at traffic numbers, and it had it had basically half of the traffic of one of the largest four lane, not, not a through fair highway, you know, throughway highway, but boulevard, if you will, commercial boulevard. So you don't have, want to drive through this area at rush hour. Cause it's, right. it's about, we're about 40 minutes West of Boston. And so there's a lot of commuter traffic in the morning, in the afternoon, plus a ton, ton of bicycle traffic, like people riding for pleasure. People yeah. It's also a work. town where I think the minimum lot size allowed for a house is an acre and a half, something yeah. like that. And, and there's horse farm after horse farm after horse farm and, and a, and a huge town forest association. So a lot of protected open space. So we can just ride, you can ride right out of the shop, right yeah. into the trails immediately yeah. or on some of the best road riding in the area. The best part about the shop is the location. And the worst part about the shop is, is the building. Yeah. So the building is, is small. I only have 800 square feet. And when I started and it, was, and it was just me, right. It was, it was actually, yeah, it worked out. When we first well. moved in, when you first moved in, people would come in and they would tell us all the businesses that had failed there. Oh, no. well, this was a photo studio. It was a gift shop. It yep. was a yoga studio. And you can kind of see the remnants of it, right? You're like, mm-hmm. oh, these mirrors must have been from when it was a yoga studio. And this bathroom must have been from when it was a spa. And like, so it's 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 a funny little building. Yeah, yeah it's a standalone building. And yeah. it has, so we have direct parking right in front of the building off the street. And we also have a backyard, a uh, backyard and a side yard. So it gives us really easy opportunity to set up outside on nice days to have things we've had Which we did not we've had speakers take, in the backyard yeah and we did not take advantage of that so that outdoor space i'm going to say saved us during the pandemic yeah right and and because because the shop was closed you know we shut down the doors we we p- could put a tent outside we had seating we had parking we had we introduced the saturday drop in day which which people could come in and do quick fixes because of course everybody had a six to eight week Tune up, you know, including him, he had a huge, you know, but you had people who just needed a tire changed or brakes changed or something fast and they didn't have to wait six to eight weeks. Right. All right so, so, um, so go into that a little bit more because this is like a nugget that I think retailers, if you don't mind to share your secret yeah. here, tell us about the Saturday drop in. So that was really, that really started with the pandemic and doing things a little bit more outside. And we'd, ha- you know, you'd have outside pick up, drop off, all that type of stuff. And then the explosion of people riding and everybody wanting to get outside and the just the massive backlog for for normal you know tune-up appointments or just appointment service appointments. And and that happened at every shop in the in the region. And there was just this need for the quick stuff, the, the break adjust, the shifting adjust. So we yeah, I I can't even really think of maybe how the Saturday Service you, it began, was you. but but we basically just had a drop-in system. It was first come, first serve. 
you had to wait there with the bike. So we knew we would have, and and early on, maybe we had a little bit of issues where people would just leave their bike and then, you know, they get busy and they don't come back. And all of a sudden you have this bike that you never really logged in perhaps. And yeah, it was, so it was definitely his idea. And it was definitely because he just kept getting these calls you know, like, I just need this little adjustment. I just need this little adjustment. So he's like, what if we do Saturday? And this is where I really started working in the shop. So I, before the pandemic, I did, I did marketing communications. I didn't work there, right? Like I have, I got stuff to do, but Saturdays, he, he thought of this idea where people would be able to sign in. And so my daughter and I, who were also trapped at home because the pandemic, started to work there on Saturdays too. So she became our tire changer, right? Somebody came in, she would, she's 16. She would change the tires. He would take care of, he's very much a MacGyver. He's very much that guy at a party. If somebody at the party goes, oh, the disposal's broken. He's the one under the sink. You're like, where is Steve? (laughs) You know, so he, he's very good at fixing things. And I was the greeter. <laughs> Welcome to Steve. Well, you can sit here. There's ice cream here. Yeah. We did make mis- some mistakes. Like I had one woman show up and she's like, I'm just throwing a quick errand. And I was okay. I was like, okay. And she went to the Cape. <laughs> like I was like, okay, you can go to the dump. You can go get your book. You can go get food. Yeah. So pretty much as you have to stay there now. <laughs> stay- and we have all, we have tables and chairs set out and everything. And people are sitting around. You're like, go anywhere you want, but go to the Cape? No, right? <laughs> well, that's, I mean, that was the thing. And like that one didn't come back. And then most people were just so happy we were taking care of the bikes. But there were times people waited two, three hours. No, no, we don't I had, have that long. Yes, we absolutely did. You think at the peak? Absolutely. Wow. But they were fine. My favorite was when we reopened the Saturday service this year, <laughs> these two moms showed up with five bicycles and it was supposed to be a limit of two per person, right? They're having a mom date on the, on the cough and having coffee on the grass. Their four kids, five kids are running around like, like crazy. Like they're just all over the grass. He's like two, it was limited two. I'm like, no, you tell her you're not taking that third bike. <laughs> like you're just, you're doing God's work right now. Like those moms. And I mean, sure enough, like one of the, he fixes one, he puts it outside the little girl runs up to it. She's like, see, I said it was fine. And like knocks her brother over. And I'm like, I don't know what to do here. <laughs> These moms were like, thank you. Thank, thank you. So much. But I mean, it, at the peak, we open at 10. People were rolling in at nine yes. to sign yes. in. They would get there an hour early so they could be first. Yeah, they would yep. get there an hour early. And, and, and all the service hours. was limited to about, it was, I mean, it's planned for 15 minutes. Sometimes I give people 20, you know. Sometimes it's more um, and he's like, you know, and, and there are cases where a bike would come in and it would have a whole bunch of stuff wrong, but it's amazing what I could get done in that time. In fact, sometimes you're almost giving, you're like, after I'm done with it, this bike doesn't need anything else. It yeah. doesn't even need to come back for a full time. We started to call And them- other times things have like one wrong problem, but it is, it took the entire time to fix that one problem. Right. Or there were a few instances where it's just like, no, this, this cannot be done in 15, yeah. 20 minutes. But then he'd schedule an appointment for them. Yeah. And we introduced what we called them um, wellness checks. So there were a lot of bicycles that hadn't been ridden in years, right? They had been hung up though. They were, they were well cared for from the standpoint, they weren't like stored in a puddle. And so what they really needed was like, can you just check that the brakes are working? The tires are inflated. So we started calling those wellness checks. Right. And, and yeah, a lot of the times he'd be like, this is fine. It does not need to come back. It doesn't need a tune up. Right. It just needed to make sure the brakes were working. So we did a lot of those with the older bikes. Like just, yes, you won't kill yourself riding this bicycle. It's a nice thing because people, I mean, being without your bike is like being without your cell phone, right? For some people. And uh, especially when you have a family who wants to get riding and, you know, there might be like one flat holding them up or whatnot. I I aligned a lot of derailleur hangers in those those Saturday services. Yeah. (laughs) A lot of flat tire fixes, which we even started showing people how to do them while we did them, because I do feel like it's something that, I mean, we're always happy to do, but I also feel like people should, can do that, right? Like that's something that's totally doable. So we would actually walk people through them as we were doing them. 
Steve, do you think that's something that you'll continue doing? Like this oh, time? absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think that's going away. We do stop it at the end of the summer. I mean, we're not really doing Saturday service now. If, you know, it's what, like t- flat tires, flat tires pre-pandemic had been something I always did just drop in any time. So people would just come in at any time I was open and I would change flat tires for them. It got so bad with the backup of the service during the pandemic with, but I had to stop that and I had to defer everybody to Saturday mm. because it was too much of an interruption for just the workload that I had. And then do you remember at one point because of the shortage of tires, he had or to give tube. me a lit yeah, of tubes. Yeah. He had to give me a list. And so like when someone brought in a tube, I would have to like check their tube first That's to right. tell them if we even had, I had one. A, I had a grid with red and green about the sizes and, then, and the valves we had yeah. because, yeah, because See, half the tubes we just couldn't get. I will say for anyone who wants to do the Saturday service, um, which I totally recommend, it's, you know, it takes a unique like set of skills, I think. The other thing I learned was I, as the catcher, you know, and, and people are like, oh, are you going to learn how to work on bikes? I was like, honestly, that's not where my skill set is. My skill set is as the greeter entertainer. <laughs> like, it, it could but have been I done did have to sometimes interrupt him and be like, I need you to look at this bike and tell me if it's worth waiting, right? Like that was the biggest challenge. I always felt really badly if someone ended up waiting two hours and or an hour or whatever, and then he'd be like, I can't fix this. Right. Like that was, that was always, so trying to manage him. She, she was the, she was the triage nurse. Yeah. (laughs) And yeah, and it couldn't have been done without her. You're working out these kinks, right? And you're, you're, so do you have staff? You mentioned your daughter and I know is just, no, uh, we, I mean, I do have a a teenager who, who was working there for a while and we're going to be getting back in next year. And I had an intern before that she was there for a while. So, but not, but otherwise not really, no. No. And I think it was a really good lesson for our daughter. So we have two kids. We have um, a teenage son who's a freshman in college and our daughter who is now a junior um, he worked through the pandemic in another retail place. A, a valuable lesson for us is that you can't make your kids like bicycles <laughs> and you shouldn't always work with family. So he, but he worked very hard through the, through the pandemic, actually at a pet, pet food store. And then Sophie worked every weekend. And I think that was really good for her to see both what we were doing, but also to support family, right? Like I think a lot of family businesses that I know of, the kids had to step up and help. We were short-staffed. We were underwater, whether that was food service or... So I think that was really good, a really good experience for her. I and it got her out of the house. <laughs> yeah, I think it's amazing. I mean, I used to own a shop and my daughter used to work in the store with me and it was one of the closest times we've ever had together. I mean, not all, not every day was rosy, believe me, but it was a great experience. And I love how Kristen, I mean, you have you have a company, like a marketing firm outside, right? Of this, a whole yes. other company. Yeah. So I actually work, I own a marketing and advertising agency that was started by my father. I always say that if you working for family either goes real well or real badly, like nobody's like, it was fine. You know, it's either, it's either great or not. So you know, it's been ever since he started Steve the Bike Guy, it's been really fun for me to take the things that I've been doing for the past 25 years and apply it to a different industry. Cause I was in, I've primarily done bank marketing and it is very much DIY. I, I try not to, you know, have the agency do the work because I often joke, he can't afford me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I get paid in bicycles. <laughs> Steve, when did the actual retail store open? How many years has it been now? It's just about eight years. Yeah, eight? coming up on eight. Yeah, coming up on eight years. Yeah. Are you still like every morning you drive to the shop? Are you loving it? Are you eager to go in? Are you just filled with? This? I I do. Yeah, I really I do love it. It it is because it has been bicycles are just been something I, I love my entire life. So Our, uh, I do. I really really enjoy working on bicycles. I enjoy being around all that stuff. <laughs> my, um, my agency just moved into a new office and it's actually right next door to the bike shop. It's on the second floor of a building right next to the bike shop. And every now and then I look out there and he's in the parking lot tootling around. And I was like, he has such a hard job. <laughs> 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 I, 
I mean, you got to test the bikes when you're repairing. That's right? exactly. <laughs> you, you know, you you do. And that's, I think, one of the uh, the, the biggest, yeah, the, having a place where you can actually test ride the bicycles is huge because things that seem okay on the stand are not okay under pressure, on, under, under pressure out on the ride. Yep. Why wait to see if they'll come back to your store for service? Why not sell them a plan that keeps their bike working perfectly all the time and brings them back to you every time. Go to nbda.com to learn about our Ride It Daily extended service plans that are only available to NBDA members. So I want to know about your community. I know you have these really cool cycling kits. Steve, you, you make time to ride, right? Are you out there doing group rides and taking part in leading and organizing rides or? Yeah, I, I, absolutely. And and I always say I don't have enough time to ride, but in reality, I think I do ride quite a bit. I mean, just yesterday I led a ride at the, um, the New England Mountain Bike Association, the Southeast region had their Turkey afterburner event. So that was about half an hour away at a, at a big at hail, at, at hail, which is a, a camp in a, in a wooded preservation area and so forth. So, so I led a ride yesterday there the day before I went on a gravel ride and I, I ride everything, road, gravel, mountain. I don't ride, uni- I don't ride unit bat fat. I don't ride unicycles. Uh, and I'm not but, getting on a tandem with him. Right. Just forget it. So, cause I like to, I, I need to be like, I feel like I need to be in touch with all of these bike styles. Mm-hmm. And I also purposely also have different component groups on all of my different personal bicycles so that I, have that better working knowledge of all everything. That sounds good. He just yeah. loves bicycles. I just love bicycles. <laughs> and I just love bicycles. Yeah. I, I just saw a comedy routine where I think it was Eliza, what's her name? And she was like, you know, you meet a boy and you say, I like to hike. And I was like, nope, never. I never said that. I don't like to hike. I don't like to walk. I like to ride my bike. We'll always be like, what? <laughs> Why are we walking? If I could ride a bicycle. So, so you talked about the, the mothers who came to have their bikes fixed. I want to know like who the community is. So you've been there for eight years now, a little bit longer with the mobile business. Have you really developed the community of cyclists? Do you have road, mountain? I mean, Steve, it sounds like you have a little bit of everything from what you were just saying, but who is the customer who's coming? Ooh. You want me so, to- well, I mean, I, I do have a very, very diverse customer base and maybe spread myself a little thin in regards of the that variety of bicycles because I have I started out and I would say a lot I started out probably a lot of high-end road yes when he started he was caught can I tell can I tell the story what story of what you called the shop oh right okay right so when he started the shop and the sign still says it it's Steve the bike guy velo studio and I went, why, why are, why are we doing that? And he was like, well, because he was into high end road bikes. Right. And that was a, a way he felt like to, to make sure. And, and a lot of the clubs, a lot of the local we're using clubs Bello. Were using Bellow in their name right. somehow. But that has definitely evolved. You know, over the years we've, we've gotten dirtier. We keep saying we're, yeah, the shop is getting dirtier mountain now mountain bike. And that's has his interest has evolved, right? Like he was doing road and now he's back to his roots of mountain biking from college and then gravel and fat. And like, so it's just getting busy, like dirtier and dirtier. And then with the Saturday service, it's a lot more of the kind of the families and the casual and riders, the casual riders. Yep. The hybrids. So we're, we're dropping, we have effectively dropped Velo studio, except I haven't replaced the sign. Yeah. But yeah, the sign needs to get replaced. We dropped it. So it's, it's kind of, you know, there are things I would say he definitely doesn't do not definitely like he takes care of tri bikes, but he's not a tri shop shop. There is yeah. a local tri shop we actually recommend to who's fantastic. Right. Like, so we do road bikes, but it's definitely, and we ride, I mean, I ride in the PMC and I ride if it, it, to go back onto the events thing, the ride you asked about, like, we don't organize many rides ourselves because it's just two of us. And at some point I need to like, not give any more time to the shop. I would say one thing I'd love to do more of next year is to get some trusted ambassadors to do it, right? To right. to run rides, but we are always game to jump on and support someone else's efforts. Yeah, so I mean we've Nella had we've had us. I had it last year. Was it last year or the year before? I had a series of mountain bike rides on Wednesdays. Through we Nella. have run an annual um, fat bike winter ride called the Ruckus Ride. 
And we just had a few weeks ago, we had a scavenger hunt ride that went really well. And we have some plans to expand on that. It was a scavenger hunt. He'd been dreaming of it for a while. He called it the hallowed road. And it was a tour scavenger hunt style tour of local cemeteries. Oh my God. So he, he said, these are where the cemeteries are. Now you plan your now these Now around here, when you're talking cemetery, it's, it may not be the same as everywhere else. We're talking about small little plots of land with, two to 300 year old gravestones. Yeah. It's very, very ancient little. I guess the point is we're not, we're not, if that's a place where I think there's room for improvement or for us to just say, there are so many great groups around here that are organizing rides. Do we need to fill that? Like we're looking for the little places we can fill. So like the, the, the winter ruckus ride, which is generally fat bike. We have tried to schedule that. I think we've canceled three out of six of them, right? Because there's no snow. Yeah. So and it's and it's muddy and wet. And right. We don't want to go out and destroy the trail. So last year we decided we just kind of waited and we found a winter weekend and we did it. But but inspired a bit by the hallowed road, which was very low effort on our part because it was self-supported and self, we decided that the winter ruckus is going to be like the abominable snowman. It's just going to appear out of the mists. Or out of the snow. Like when it snows, he's going to say to me, this weekend is the ruckus and I will post it and post and get it. But like, I'm going to take the stress out of like planning it two months in advance only to have it rain. But that's really cool too. These impromptu things, you know, I think it's more fun. Yeah, I think, I think it is. And then people like, you can be like, keep your eyes, you know, coming soon, you know, watch for the announcement. Yeah. Yeah. The very first one we had was epic and it, and, and we have so many people who have that in their minds. And because of that very first one, they're, they're always want to keep doing them because that one it snowed it, like two days before five inches of fluffy powder, the morning we woke up for that date and it was not a cloud in the sky. It's about 30 degrees and it was just the most perfect day on fat bikes. Yeah. I do have to say, I think fat bike. So when I look back at the shop at like, what was the turning point where I thought this is going to work? It was fat bikes. When fat bikes were introduced. Yeah, 2015, he, 2016 was the big, I'd say the fat bike hike. He was working with a manufacturer. And I mean, just the whole shop was filled with fat bike parts. And like, you would see a group picture and I'd be like, half of those fat bikes came from Steve, the bike guy. Um, it, and it, it was, it was so cool. Uh, like it is true. Like uh, our industry goes like road bike, mountain bike, fat bike, gravel bike, road bike. Like it, it does. Kinda, and you have to ebb and flow with it, you know? Yep. Um, yeah. And I yeah. would say now that the flow is definitely off road of all varieties. I, I, at least for us, I do hear more and more of the roadies just saying, I can't deal with the cars anymore. Well, and that'll come around. But have your brands changed over time as well, then, Steve? Not too much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, mean, we've learned a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I lost. Don't put brands on your kits. Don't put brands. Yeah. We did. If I put a brand on the kit, it's invariably going to leave the country. (laughs) Yeah. So we've had brands go, go direct only. We've had brands just close their U.S. operations and leave, usually owned by larger, as many of them are larger larger corporations that, you know, change their strategies. Yeah. But um, if I don't put it on the kit. And then, and then Scott has been my main brand now for, I think just seven years, almost yeah. pretty much as long as that's, that's been my main brand, which has been very good with, with the success of Kate Courtney and, you know, Scherter and so forth. It's been yeah. phenomenal for that. Yeah. So, okay. Let's talk about, cause I found this, this to be really interesting. I'm on uh, your website, stevethebikeguy.com. And I want to talk about ways that you're reaching out to engage new riders into the sport and then also get them in your store. I noticed there's a link even on your website for new riders. How is that working? Do people, do people tell you that they see that? What's the they feedback? do. So I am, my background is as a content creator. Like I'm a storyteller. I like to write and I like to share. I think that any business, the differentiator, I mean, the brands help, but we're all selling bikes, right? We're all selling bikes. We're all selling parts. We're all selling clothing. It's the stories that we have and the people that we're servicing and the people at the shop. And so I wrote that Welcome New Riders, trying to channel 
what it felt like to be a new writer because it's fair or, or just someone who's coming back to it because it's very intimidating, right? Like it's, there's all the lycra and there's the, do I need to clip in and what should I wear on my head? And my bike's not good enough. And in fact, I was on a ride a couple of months ago with a guy and he kept saying, well, I'm not a rider. And I was like, well, that's weird. Cause you're on a bike right now. Like, and he was like, well, I'm wearing a athletic soccer shirt. And I was like, okay, like you're still a rider. Like it's all right. You know, but I think there's this, an intimidation factor. So we use stories a lot like that to break that down. You know, um, there's another one I can send you the link to that. I really like, it was from several years ago. Sophie was racing a cyclocross race and they had to hold it for her. They had to hold the pre-ride for a long time because she just squeaked under. And so I wrote, I wrote something that basically said, thank you for protecting her race. Like, thank you for not pulling her. Thank you for not, and that got a lot of really good reviews. That was, that was the Minuteman cyclocross race. Cause they really respected her race. And, and I felt like they needed, you know, so those are when we write those, I feel like we're really hitting it out of the park. Yeah. I mean, your blog. So Steve, the bike guy got Steve, the bike guy.com go yes. to the website, check it out. I mean, the blog is, I feel like I get a sense of who you are and your community and what you're doing. And the most recent one, the gift guide, totally awesome. And you get people who comment on the blog, which we do. I read a lot of blogs. You don't always see that. So people are interacting with you too, which they they are. Um, So the site, if you want a little behind the tech, so the site is a smart e-tailing site that we went, we went with a e-commerce site right at the, a a year ago. So it was in response to the pandemic. I've told smart e-tailing this, so I'm not saying anything I haven't said to to them directly. It doesn't have great content posting uh, ability. I'm a huge WordPress nerd. So the blog is separate and it's a WordPress site. And yeah, we try to write stuff and I make, I give this advice to everyone. We try to write something different, right? Like I think every gift guide is kind of the same. Every Every like new, you know, equipment advice is the same. And so why would you read our blog? So, you know, whenever we write something, it's because I feel like we have something to say, something to add, mm-hmm. something to add, something different, something that gives us, and that can be a little risky, but I think it's worth it. I like risky. You know, when we were judging the Bicycle Retailer of Excellence Award, um, you know, when we were judging the applications, something that struck us about yours, and we looked at your, we looked at the social feeds, the website, we were looking for a real authentic feel. We didn't, we weren't looking for cookie cutter. We were looking for the shop that people remembered that they, you know, would tell their friends about that experience. And everything that we touched of yours, your website, your social feeds, they left an impression that was so super noticeable. So um, keep up that amazing, amazing work. Yeah. I will say we stay away from stock. If there's anything I can really, I can really, and and there's there's what power mean? to stock stock images. We we oh. we try to take the pictures ourselves. If we can get pictures from like Scott, we will. Although I've been pushing them for more diversity. I feel like there's just, they have work to do. And so I've been asking them to, you know, we need more diverse riders, more, more ages, more colors, more genders, more everything. Right. But that's my biggest tip is use stock selectively carefully, because that is where, you know, our differentiators are, I think is because it's our people. Yeah. And I'll tell you, we need that as an industry. We need more retailers, more, more staff members, more mechanics, more mobile telling us what we need so we can better position the whole industry. Speaking of that, and Steve, I forgot to ask you earlier, e-bikes have seen tremendous growth. Have you noticed an uptick in e-bike sales or interest in your community? That's, I would say I would not really more interest Yes. but not really an uptick for me yet. And I and I think that's based on my location. And in fact, I can have a hard time selling I, the e-bikes I have oh. um, or get. I, so I haven't quite found where e-bikes are going for me. I, I have a feeling it's going to be e-mountain bikes. And I mean, I started out selling some of the hybrids and then I have, and then I was selling, uh, and then I have e-road bikes, which... I thought would actually have more of an uptake than they have so far. And I think that's coming, but I have not seen that sort of interest. 
but I do see more. I probably get more Coming. calls for e mountain bikes now. I was on the trails the other day and I ran into a gentleman friend of mine, someone who I would never think was uh, an e-bike, you know, candidate, let's say, and yeah. he's out on an e-bike and immediately he's like, oh, I did a big epic ride yesterday. I'm just riding. And I'm like, dude, I think it's cool. It drives like, me crazy. What? <laughs> I, know. I, I think there's still a like kind of like a, a sheepishness to the people that have them that like, I I'm like, you do you man, like whatever you want to ride. And I think there's still a little bit of a judgmentalness in some of the hardcore riders. I have seen the judgment. Changing. I've seen the judgment of the, of, of the riders I'm with. And, and these are a lot of guys I might only ride with one or two times a year. So it's, they're not somebody I, I'm normally associating with, but their feelings, they don't have any issues with the e-mountain bikes. Only thing I've heard is that they don't want to necessarily ride in a in a group mountain bike ride with the e-bike e-mountain bike riders because the flow is different and it's yeah. sort of like it's better it's better like for like right. you know yeah and i will say my parents both have scott e-bikes they are 75 and 76 my parents they ride every day in the in the summer every every saturday we would see them at the shop cuz they'd be tootling around and then they'd come on the sh- you know so i which is something they would not do without they us. would not have done so i think we're going to see a lot more of those i think there's room for that definitely where we are with you know i have an employee who rides to work every day on her e-bike it's fantastic i love that yeah, i i think the thing with e mountain is it's just it's the, it's the, everyone wants, it's going to be the plus one that we all need. Like as a mountain biker myself, I'm like, the only thing holding people back right now, I think is just having the money to go buy one or the inventory because we're finding one. Right? <laughs> well, yeah, the inventory. Yes. And I, and I agree with the money that the money sometimes, yeah, sometimes I just cannot believe how much these things cost. <laughs> it's an age thing. You know, I saw, um, I saw a NEMBA member recently post a picture. He's in his seventies of his new e-mountain bike. And he's like, I kind of thought my days were done. And, and this is fantastic. And that's what we keep saying is like, if he wants, if we want to keep riding, cause you know, don't like to hike, I'm going to be, I'm sure there's going to be an e-bike in my future. I would, yeah. I would buy one tomorrow to just add it to my, so I have options, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> we went to Switzerland a couple of years ago for our honeymoon and we not were honeymoon, not, uh, or our honeymoon, our anniversary, yeah. our anniversary of our honeymoon. And we were on the Matterhorn and we still, we were coming downhill and these people were just going up. Do, 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 do. And I was like, what is happening here? This is fantastic. Yeah, they were self-shuttling. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> great. So, I mean, you know, e-bikes, there's a lot of things right now. The, the uptick in cycling, supply shortages. How are you guys, I mean, this is a big question, but how are you Keep it on on top. How are you changing with the times? Anything that's been, is there something that's been single-handedly like the best pivot you've made or is it just every day just adapting to what the day brings? In a somewhat, it is just adapting as, as things go on. I say that somewhat of the, of the, the service changes have been the most beneficial. I think last year, 2020, even though we were in the heart of the pandemic was probably the best year for bike shops ever. Right. And from what I've heard and seen, and then this year has been very tough because of the supply issues last year, everything was already basically made by March, 2020. So it was just a matter of getting in your hands, except for tubes for some reason and, and somewhat chains. But this year, yeah, this year has been very difficult for, for supply. We've been, um, I will say we've been diversified. We've been adding more accessories. We've never really been one to sell accessories. Not yet, not a lot. No. You know, gloves, socks, clothing. Um, and we're talking about more classes for the, for the classes. next year yep. for using, letting him use his time. We've done a couple of women's bike mechanic clinics that have been very well received. And so now we're talking about how can we kind of take that and, and do more, maybe ongoing classes, you know, an hour every Saturday, it's hard to do a whole day event. Like there's just too much to cover and yet not enough time <laughs> you're there all day. Yeah. So that, I think that's going to be our biggest pivot is going to be more event based for a while. It's not going to fill the gap completely on the bike sales, but I think it will get people in and continue to get them and keep them engaged. And it fits with our, like our whole model, which is, you know, a 
educated customer, educated consumer is our best customer, right? What was that? Sims who used to say that, right? Like you, they're not going to take over. They don't take over their maintenance. They're just more informed and more empowered. And that's a good thing. I agree that a lot of times, no matter how many, how much you might teach somebody how to do their own stuff, there's always plenty of people who, even though they know, they just don't, they don't have the time. They don't have the energy. They don't want to deal with it. So it's, I think there's that sort of that fear of teaching, you know, your, your business away is not the case. Yeah. And I mean, we've got all these like E, but you know, electronic shifting and all these other things that are really specific and um, we can teach and educate, but they're always going to want to, especially come back to the person who taught them. Right. I mean, right. Well, it helps them. I think also our focus generally has been when something happens, when you're on the road or on the trail, right. And, and he's not there. <laughs> he can't help you. The derailleur is bent. How are you going to deal with that right now? Or the thing is stuck. How are you going to deal with that right now? And that I know for myself, I've, having taken the classes, I feel more empowered even on the trail to try fixing it myself rather than just sitting down and crying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at your social media feeds and on the blog, all the imagery, it looks like everyone or a big chunk of your community is in Steve, the bike guy, branded clothing, cycling kits. Tell, tell me about this. How are you navigating that and doing so well with those sales? A lot of that initially started from the cyclocross team. So we did really have, um, we were really kind of pushing uh, more of a, of a team there. Um, this is a few years back. Um, <laughs> a few years back. And yeah. Ten and, years ago. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, <laughs> I mean, the height of it was probably four years ago. Yeah. So, and then, and that's where I think a lot of the branded clothing first came into being. And then from there, it's new, new kits and new styles and not, and then just putting it out to our, to our customer base. And we, they were all interested in. Yeah. So we had, um, when he first opened the shop, we met with another local shop and one of the pieces of advice he gave us, which I thought was great was don't bother carrying non-branded clothing. You, you don't have enough space. You can't compete with, you know, Amazon or the, or the other retailers. So if you're going to focus on clothing, put your name on it. And I was like, Oh, it's a, that's a good piece of advice. So we don't, our challenge is a little bit of size, right? We don't have a lot of space that I can necessarily buy thousands of, or hundreds of kits. And the other is um, we have, he has always bootstrapped this business, right? Like there's never been a loan. There's never been a, so he sometimes chokes when I'm like, if we buy 50 jerseys, it'll cost this much. And he's like, <clears throat> you know, so we tend to not do that. We just released a new kit design this past year, which is that the black, those are available pre-order only. So that's one way we, we manage that. And we tell people, if we don't get the minimum, I'm not, I'm not buying it, right? Like if you may want shorts, but if not enough people want shorts, I'm not going to buy it. And then on the t-shirts, I actually just wrote something about how to do this because I get a lot of questions. Um, we actually make our t-shirts ourselves with like a heat press. Like you get at a, if you go to a custom t-shirt shop, right? You pick your t-shirt, you pick your design and they heat press it because we could only, one thing that was really important to me was that we have women's cut shirts. There's nothing more frustrating to me or less welcoming to me that when I go into a bike shop and I cannot get a women's cut shirt, I'm sorry, unisex, not a thing. <laughs> so you have to buy so many of one cut in one design. And, and we don't have the room for that. We didn't have the budget for that. And I, I wanted more flexibility. So Steve bought me a heat press at an estate sale. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> and I make t-shirts and we went to a company and I, or I, we have like four designs that we imprint ourselves as needed. Our hats are the same way. I bought, I bought patches and then I sew them on to beanies. But, I mean, it's smart because otherwise you could lose your shirt on clothing. It has to be done the right way. So you could, and then you, you, you know, you always end up with the wrong sizes of you focus. Yeah, we do what we can ourselves and the other stuff we go. So we work with Garneau for our kits and Sombrio. We've been very happy with their pricing. They have a nice flexible pricing that lets us, it counts up the number of total number of things and rewards that. So the minimums are very low and they're based um, here in New England and they're based in New England and, and they support a couple of our favorite rides. And then we get our water bottles because I can't figure, haven't figured out how to make my own water bottles. Um, <laughs> so 
just wait until she figures it out. Right. But I get so frustrated when somebody says to me, oh, if you have an extra jacket, I'll totally buy one of those. And I'm like, I only pre-order. I have no extra jackets. (laughs) I want to put everybody in blue and orange. Well, it looks to me like you're doing an amazing job. And I also, I, I just a couple more questions. I wanted to ask you, I noticed that you do the people for bikes ride spot. And a lot of retailers have been asking about this. Can you give some feedback and tell us how that's working for you? Well, so yes. So we now have a a big bulletin board in the shop and RideSpot has these cards, basically sort of these pre-designed cards that we can print out and they have a a small little diagram of the map that where about the region it is and the length and so forth. And then a QR code so people can go directly to the the app or the, the, and the website to find these rides. So we'll have We'll have, I think we have what now, eight on the board, 10, uh, no, uh, but we have nine. these cards up on this bulletin board. And so people can look at these rides and then take this card with them to, to go home and get the ride, download it from themselves. And it, and, and it is amazing shot. how many people take have loved cards. this, take yeah. the cards and love this and go, like, oh, I, I don't know. I I don't know where to ride. So this is great. Yeah. We learned about that at the QBP conference. They had a, they had a conference online expo thing Mm -hmm. and they had a presentation. First of all, the price was right. It was free. (laughs) Second of all, Steve is a mad trail route builder. He's one of these, he's so so funny. Like if, when I lead rides, people are like, where are we? And then we pop out onto like route 16 and they're like, how did we get here? Like he just has, he's really good at it. And so it was nice because I could go to his ride with GPS site, download the GPXs, upload them to RideSpot. I will say, I don't think the planner is great. The back end of it is not very sophisticated from a planning route planning standpoint, but the usability, the cards that I don't have to design something myself and I don't print them. I print, I resize them onto Avery postcard stock. So I print like eight of each. I don't, sorry, I don't, I don't buy them from Cause you need like, you have to buy like a hundred cards. And I'm like, I don't need a hundred cards. I need 10 cards. Yeah, we, and we rotate the rides and that we have. And it's, there. it's, I, I will say we kind of put it up there on a whim, right? Like I, I, we had this metal thing already up. I, I put up some up sticker um, and yeah, the response has been great. Cause it's tactile. It's tangible, right? It's something they can take with them. And and they're like, oh, a 10 mile ride, a 20 mile ride, a mountain bike ride, a gravel ride. So it has worked really, I would mm-hmm. say for the the ROI on that's been fantastic. <laughs> well, you're positioning yourself as like the experts. You're giving people ideas. I mean, you're lending yourself to their life. Yeah. Awesome. And all the rides start and end at Steve the Bike Guy. So that's the other right. thing. <laughs> I have to park in our right. parking lot. <laughs> All right. So you guys look, I can see you. Our listeners can only hear you, but I know they can probably hear what I'm seeing, which is a couple that's sitting very close together, smiling, supporting each other. So how do you juggle the home life and keep this romance and spark alive? It's a little personal question, but I have to know. <laughs> you want the real answer? <laughs> I mean, okay. So I will say a couple of things. We've been married 25 years. Coming up on 25. Coming up on 25 years. That doesn't mean we don't fight. I I have quite the temper. I'm Irish, but I do try to like not do too much damage during our fights. <laughs> I think that's important because like when you've been married this long, you can, you know, all the the weak spots. And I know how to say yes, right? dear. You do sometimes. Sometimes I have to say <laughs> just say yes, dear. Just say yes. I think that's part of it. I think taking so Mondays are are he well, doesn't work, work on, Mondays. on Mondays and I work from home on Mondays and our kids, and are, at our kids are at school. So you yeah. do the you <laughs> do the math from there oh on I, the point is to reserve time, right? Yeah. Like you have to, you have to reserve time. It, it helps that we both love so, hanging. He's my favorite person. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, we can bring this back to bicycles too, because the, I didn't ride a bike the when thing I met about it. the thing about bicycles is that there is it's not just something you do every now and then out of your house. You base vacations around bicycles yes. and you base just, oh, like we're going away for this long weekend. Who can we fit a ride in there when we get there? And when you both ride, you always have this interest together. I should give him credit though, too, because I often hear sometimes from people like, oh, I can't lead a beginner's ride because I can't ride that slow. 
right? I can't ride, like, I can't ride that slow, which I am always like, if Leah Davison can, can ride with the little Bellas, then you can ride that slow. That's right. But the other thing is he's been riding slow with me for 25 years, for almost 30 years, right? Because I didn't, I didn't own a bike when we met. Right. He got me into mountain biking, got me into riding. He, you know, I mean, I often look back and think, what would my life look like if I hadn't met Steve, the bike guy, you know, because I wasn't into bikes at all. Right, Daisy? But I think, I, I do think it, it has to, there's a great book called Mating in Captivity by Esther Perel. And, and she, she says, you know, we ask a lot of this one person to be our, our business partner, our, our lover, our best friend, <laughs> our parenting partner. And that sometimes you have to recognize that's a lot to put on one person. So I think it works out, but it's also okay to say, you can't be this person for me right now. Like I need to go call my friend Alex so I can complain about you because you are not this person today, (laughs) you know? So I think your energy is just, I think you're, I see the way you support each other and it's really great. And it's great when we're on a Monday mingle and, you know, Kristen, you pop up on one screen and, and Steve, you pop up on another screen and you're in the same house, but you're in di- on different screens and it's awesome. Are you guys headed to Cab to East? Are you going down to the show? We are. Yeah. It'll be my first bike conference. It is. I know. I really regret that she never was able to go to an inner bike. So I have to, yeah. I have to say, I am, um, I wanted to share this story. So when he started the bike shop, I, it was a thing I was supporting, but I did not own it. Right. Like I didn't. And then a couple of years ago, I was riding with a bunch of my girlfriends and we made a stop and this other rider, I didn't know, spent 10 minutes explaining to me how to lean my bike up against the wall. And then he asked me if my husband had bought me my bicycle. And I kind of spluttered at him. And my my girlfriend said to me, she was like, your answer should have been, I own a bike shop. And I was like, I don't own a bike shop. I don't own, I, I support a bike shop. And then I told him the story and he said the same thing. He was like, your response should be, you own a bike shop. Absolutely. And so I have been semi-comfortable with that for a couple of years. But with the pandemic, I will say I I totally say it now, right? Like I am, I am all in. So that's why I never went to conferences because I didn't own the bike shop, right? Like I didn't. But now, you know, working there on Saturdays and yeah, you just dealing yep. with much more. I, I'm much more comfortable saying that my husband and I own a bike, bike shop. But it took me a while to get there because I felt like I needed to know more too. You know, because <laughs> I still don't know. Half the time I'm like, I'm gonna give you an answer, and then he'll come out and tell me why it was wrong. I just so you know. <laughs> so we're gonna hang out at Cab the East. I, I'm so looking forward Absolutely. to it. Yeah. Steve, I'm with you. This inner bike was something special, right? Definitely had that that big industry show. It took hours to yes. walk the inner bike floor and lots of education, lots of uh, seminars. You would just have an opportunity to meet everyone and you know, say hi face to face, everyone you spoke to on the phone throughout the years. We're hopeful we can get the big gear show back there. That had the feel of Interbike, but outside last year. So um, yeah, Cab to East, again, it's the same feeling. It's the education. It's all the vendors. It's um, I know SRAM's going to be there. There's a lot of people coming to the East show. Yeah, we can't wait to see you. All right. So what's next for Steve, the bike guy? What, what, any future plans, any remodeling, any, anything? Well, yeah, we are increasing the, the space we have by 50%. So this has been an ongoing thing. square feet. Yeah. (laughs) Which is going to be, I mean, having a new 20 by 20 room is going to be huge and, and a new double door entrance way. It's just going to be, it's going to be fantastic. So that is we were hoping the construction was going to start about now, but it's coming shortly. So that's a little bit up in the, just waiting for things to happen. The landlord sorting a few things out in town. The other thing is, is we're redefining. So we mentioned briefly that the team started as the STBG cyclocross team. Then it was the cyclocross and mountain bike team. Now we just call it the STBG cycling team. And one of the things that we started this year is expanding how you define team. Cause I think it was, it was based in racing, but we have so many people that I would say are part of our team that are not racing. And I had written something about this a couple of like a month ago, but basically like anyone who's, if you decide to wear our kit out on your social ride, like you're part of our team, right? So I'm trying to figure out how to really. Yeah. And we have a couple of customers who race under another team, but they're very much. They're still on our team. (laughs) Yeah. And they're, they're very much on our team in that regard. And so, yep. I want to continue. Yeah. So I would say our, my goal for next year is to continue that, like, 
opening the the circle of how we define what is being part of a, a shop team and more education and more, you know, events. Cause I just love, I, that's a space I think we can fill, right? Like there's a ton of rides going on, but there aren't a lot of some of this other stuff. So always looking for those spots where we can make a difference. Yeah. And I, I mean, when we're talking about expanding the word cyclists in the industry, we have all these, all these new riders, right. Finding cycling. We do, yeah. we need to expand what that, what that word team, maybe it's community. I have no idea about what that looks like. So it's not just racer focused. It's ever, yeah. or not just the experienced racer focus, I guess I would say. But, and it's, it's funny. We're kind of the bad, like I, we had one new racer this year and I was like, congratulations, you know, on racing. And he's like, did you see my results? And I was like, yes, I did. He's like, it didn't finish. He's, I'm like, I don't care. You were out there. You were doing it. So yeah, it's, I love that. Like I, if anything, I'm, I like the beginner racers. I, this is, (laughs) this conversation has been excellent and I can only strongly urge our listeners to go to stevethebikeguy.com, visit their social feeds, read the reviews, read what people are, are saying the, the people's choice. We had a people's choice part of the bicycle retailer excellence awards this year. And so many people just wrote the most amazing things. I mean, these reviews are authentic. They're from the heart and they mention, you know, Steve by name, they mention the the couple that was at the store working at the store and you're truly changing lives for um, our listeners that might want to contact you to learn more about the Saturday drop-ins, learn more about the shop, just follow up to say thank you for everything you're doing for cycling. Could you share your contact? Yeah, you can actually email um, info at stevethebikeguy.com. That actually goes to both of us. Mm-hmm. That way. And I'm Steve at stevethebikeguy.com. Yes, and he's Steve at stevethebikeguy. And I'm Kristen at stevethebikeguy.com. Mm-hmm. So we'd love to love to talk. Lo- we love to talk to other bike shop owners. It's one of the reasons we joined the MBDA because I felt like at some points we were just making up stuff that somebody else must have figured out. Like, the, you know, so if we can help, somebody figure that out too, like how we did gift cards or how we're printing our own t-shirts. I am, I, I'm more than ha- happy to share. Oh yeah. There's so um, much we didn't even get into. I mean, just the marketing <laughs> aspect of what you're doing, the gift cards for our listeners. If you want to drop into a Monday mingle, one of them are almost always on go figure. You'll probably end up at one that they can't make it that week or something. <laughs> <laughs> right. on, come meet them in person. Thank you both so much for giving up, you know, part of your Monday to share with me <laughs> this podcast. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Super this is fun. Great. Thank you. All right. So that is it. I invite you to connect with me and come on Bicycle Retail Radio, share your story with our listeners. Online, nbda.com, we have our outspoken blog. We also have lots of events you can register for. Go ahead, take a look. If you'd like to support the show, don't forget to subscribe and share your favorite episode with friends on social media. Thank you for listening. See you back here soon. And with this, we go. This has been Bicycle Retail Radio by the National Bicycle Dealers Association. For more information on membership and member benefits, join us at nbda.com.